Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. Conversation. It is area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. If you're listening live on blogtalkradio.com, you can just sign in with your free account. Uh, go to the episode page and join us in the chat room as well if you don't want to come on the phone. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash radio or youtube.liberaldan.com, you can also join us in the chat room there and leave your questions as well, as well as see my bright, shiny face. Uh, if you're listening after the live podcast, you could always leave your comments, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com, uh, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldan radio on Twitter, or you could always leave your comments on the YouTube thread of the live stream as well. Uh, a lot of the times we will start off with a uh, headlines, but I was very, I guess, distracted this week with some work stuff and other things. I didn't have too much time to to get all of my stuff done. So no headlines this week. Uh, we will just end up skipping that. Um, so I did manage to produce Hypocrite of the Week and Words of Running Wisdom, although I finished Hypocrite of the Week so much sooner, so close to the start of the episode that I was not able uh, to... Uh, get it uploaded to the Patreon yet. So if you're a Patreon, uh, if you're a Liberal Dan Radio patron and, and you want to and you're supporting the show and you haven't heard Hypocrite of the Week yet, if if you like getting it early, I, I do apologize. I do try and get it out as soon as possible. Unfortunately, today I was not able to get it out. I'll post it after after the episode, and I need to think I post post a couple of them up on uh, TikTok as well because I've been posting some of them up there, but I haven't been using my TikTok all that much recently either. Uh, so I've been trying to focus on creating more YouTube content and less TikTok content. Anyway, uh, so lots of stuff to talk about today. But I mean, the general idea and topic is is the the idea that that we live in a bloodthirsty country. Um, and what kind of spawned this, kind of started this idea that we are in a you know bloodthirsty country is you know 
some of my conversations about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, and still we've gone through two days of jury deliberations. Um, I think it's better for the defense if they wrap up more quickly. Uh, some people seem to believe that if they if they do it quickly, then it's usually an acquittal. Uh, but and you know, sometimes they can come back quickly and, and just be really convinced. So it's not necessarily a rule. Um, maybe if you're especially because they have the lesser included that are involved uh, that the jury can consider if they're not guilty of one, then maybe they're guilty. Maybe he's guilty of the uh, lesser included offense. You know, maybe that's a point of uh, point of contention. Um, there were some rumors going around about why the jury issues with the jury, but I don't believe that that's uh, credible at this point. I think it's just an unsubstantiated rumor by someone on the conservative side who wants to cast more doubt uh, in, in this process. Um, and there's other stuff about the process that liberals are also doing stupid things as well. Like the people who are complaining about the whole uh, Kyle Rittenhouse got to draw those six random people who wouldn't serve. So then that means he gets, he basically randomly drew his 12 member jury and how somehow that shows impropriety or something. Like, generally speaking, like, that's probably the safest thing to do. There are plenty of things to criticize this judge for. There are plenty of things to criticize the judicial system for. Kyle Rittenhouse being the one person who chooses, who, who chose the randomly the six different people who would not be serving on the trial, on the jury to determine his fate is not something to focus on. It's, it's just... It's minutia, and it, it, it's ridiculous. Um, but back to the bloodthirstiness. Uh, so when discussing um, you know, whether or not, you know, one, one of the points I made in one of my recent videos on the Rittenhouse trial was that the defense argues, you know, I, there is the argument to be made, and the prosecution eventually did make this argument, I believe, where it was like, well, was, was you know, is one shot, was, would one shot have been enough? Why did he then go shoot two and three and four? And the defense clearly argued that, well, there was so much little time between the first shot and the last shot that how could he, how could he have known that he wasn't a threat? But the, the argument to that is, why did he have to shoot so quickly? I mean, he could have shot and then determined, okay, did it hit? Well, let me shoot again. Uh, once you determine whether or not the, the shot stopped, because had he stopped shooting, he would have realized that he can no longer participate in the fight, and therefore he can no longer chase, and now you're free to run away, and you can run away. Now, was that use of deadly force reasonable? Again, I would argue no, but we, we would be able to then have both sides of the conversation. We'd be able to have uh, Rosenbaum taking the stand um, and we'd be able to, to hear both sides of the story. But in response, you know, I said, look, you, you could have not fired them as quickly. You could have just fired one and see where it was instead of squeezing off four rounds. Well, often, many times I've heard, I've seen people who believe Kyle Rittenhouse to be factually innocent. Uh, they would say, well, if I, would have, if I was in that situation, I would have just unloaded the clip. Really? Really? You would have just unloaded the clip into 
the person who was charging at you? How many, you know, let's say, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head how many rounds at 30 or whatever. Let's say, so unload 10 rounds. At what point is it too much? What point are you, are you then making yourself a threat to the other people around you? But no, I would just, to me, the people who were raised, who, who were saying, I would just unload, un- unload the clip into him, that's, now if he would have done that, there would have been the added, I guess, benefit of he wouldn't have had any rounds left to be able to use against the other three individuals who he shot at. So maybe that would have been beneficial to everyone else had he just unloaded the clip. But again, I don't think that's reasonable. And I don't think that reasonable people believe that if somebody's charging at you, it's okay to let just shoot every single bullet you have on your person. Sort of things like it, it doesn't matter if Kyle Rittenhouse believed himself to be in danger. It, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter just that Kyle Rittenhouse believed that he, you know, had to defend himself, and or else he might have died. That that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's part of it. But if if he does it, but it's not reasonable, then guess what? If it's not reasonable, then it's not a legal action. And to me, it's not reasonable to say that you're going to just unload all of your rounds into somebody. That's not a reasonable thing to do. You're just sit there clicking your trigger until it goes click, 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 and there's nothing left. You don't just sit there and do that. You... So, so, so when people are saying, I would have unloaded my clip, that to me is telling me that that's not the reasonable standard. But people are taught this. People believe this. People would say that they would do this, and they probably would do it. Why? Because we live in a bloodthirsty country. We live in a country that is addicted to guns. We live in a country that is addicted to gun violence. We live in a country where uh, we have a large segment of our population who believes in shooting first and asking questions later. You have a large set of the population who believes uh, that they should be able to take the law into their own hands, that they should be able to use deadly force more quickly than what the law really allows and would probably want to have laws that would enable us to have a use of deadly force um, in more circumstances. There are people who believe that you should be able to defend all property with gun violence. They believe that you should be able to just that, – that anybody – like under Wisconsin law, it is illegal to use deadly force to protect property. These people would tell you that no, they want you to, that they think you should be able to use deadly force to defend all property, not just castle doctrine type laws where you're defending your house. Now, I'm fine with the whole, if somebody's breaking into your house, you have the right to defend yourself because, and to use deadly force because you don't know if they're going to be coming in to kill you and you don't have the time to wait. That's fine. But if somebody's killing, stealing a, uh, a TV from a, or some, some electronics or some other goods or whatever from CVS, for example, and I'm not under oath, I'm not in court, I'm not in, the, I'm not in Schroeder's court, so therefore I can bring up the CVS safe. If somebody is stealing stuff out of a CVS, I don't have the right or the authority or, you know, I don't have, I don't have the idea that I should be able to use deadly force and be able to shoot my gun to take them out. I shouldn't be able to fire a gun at people just because they are shoplifting. But in Texas, 
we had a case of Joe Horn. I've talked about Joe Horn before, and the reason I remember his name so clearly is because I was amused at the fact that his name was exactly the same as the New Orleans Saint. Number 87 at the time, Joe Horn has his own barbecue sauce. He does not advertise his barbecue sauce on my channel, but he has his own barbecue sauce. Um, But Joe Horn shot someone in the back as they were leaving somebody else's house with their goods, and, and he was not convicted. They applied the, the, oh, bringing a boy is in the blog talk radio chat. Hello, bringing a boy. Um, Joe Horn believed that it was okay to use, and the state of Texas believed that it was okay to use deadly force to kill the people that were, were leaving the property with the stuff. Um, and I just, I don't understand the concept. I don't understand the mindset that, that would allow you to say that you should be able to kill anybody who's stealing stuff. And I remember watching stuff going on from Katrina. I remember, you know, thinking some things, horrible things about, you know, I was young and immature probably back then and, and thinking some, you know, well, how, how are the, these people are, are stealing TVs, whatever, you know, that, that, that they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the situation. But that doesn't mean that they should be able to get, get shot because they're taking advantage of the situation. Would I help the shoplifter with his booty? And by booty, I suppose he mean his goods that he obtained from his uh, fast thievery and not his ass. Um, would you help the shoplifter with his booty by opening the car door for him? No, absolutely not. You know, I'm not going to aid and abed somebody from, you know, with, with stealing somebody else's stuff. I mean, no. But I also don't believe that they should be shot. And that's the thing. There's one of the differences and between many conservatives and, and myself or many is, is that the idea, well, I would need a pistol to pistol whip him or her or them, um, bringing a boy. I guess I should put that up on the, put the chat up on the screen too, because I haven't, uh, let's see, do, do, oh, that's covering too much. Hilarious. All right. We're going to shrink this down a bit. Hold on. Let me, let me adjust this to make it. There you go. I'm just going to put it like that. There you go. Okay. So there's bringing a boy in the chat. Um, anyway, I told you this is a rush to get this show off the, to get this show started today. I had to, um, side note, I had to help my son who's learning about, uh, in his social studies class, um, I had to teach my son about federalism and anti-federalism and what a federalist would want and what an anti-federalist would want. Um, I'll bring you boys in the, in the YouTube chat now too. There you go. Um, the, uh, so I had to teach him about, you know, you know, had to, what proved that the articles of confederation were weak, um, stuff like that. And, you know, stuff that I, probably, I don't remember from, from, learning way back then. I probably learned it way back then, but I, I don't remember it. You know, I had to look some of the stuff up, you know, some of the general concepts I understood clearly. Um, and as I was teaching him some of the stuff that he missed on one of, on one of his tests or on a redo of his homework assignment, I was like, you should have watched Hamilton with us because if you would have watched Hamilton, you would have understood who the Federalists were, who the Anti-Federalists were, and what they may or may not have supported. Um, the uh, 
Southern effing Democratic Republicans. <laughs> like, what? Like, who? You know, one of the things, you know, one of the things in the song, uh, Washington on your side, uh, just to look back at the Bill of Rights and Madison's like, which I wrote. And Madison was not a Federalist. So that clearly, so when the, what the question was, would the Federalist or Anti-Federalist supported a Bill of Rights? If you just watched Hamilton, you would have then known that it was the Anti-Federalist who supported the Bill of Rights because, the, because Madison was an Anti-Federalist and as such, he, and he wrote the Bill of Rights. So there you go. Thank you, Bringing a Boy, for being my first thumbs up and the likes. Uh, I'm guessing uh, the first Patreon, Demonox, uh, from uh, the World According to Nox, is not around right now. Uh, maybe some busy stuff. Who knows? But, you know, shouts out to uh, the first Libertarian patron, Demonox, as well as Cesar out in California and your boy Chris. And also want to give shouts out to the host of the most, the Percy Podcast, my little brother, the smooth sounds of the Percy Podcast. Anyway, so back to where we were. No, I would not. Um, I would not want, let's see. How is your common core help going with your child? I, I don't know. <laughs> Some of the math with common core is, is like, I'm like, what? You know, and I get some of it and some of it, some common core math is kind of how you do things in your head versus how you do it. You know, how some people do it in their head, at least versus how, how you are taught to do it on paper. Um, so, so some of the things make sense when you learn it. It's just a pain in the neck when you're, you learned it one way and then you have to help your kid learn it another way. Um, but what's even better or not, not better sarcastically better is that I, I do like the fact that my sons both are in an immersion school. So when they learn math, they learn math in Spanish. And when they're learning math in Spanish, it's hard for me to help because I don't speak Spanish as well as they do. I've had some Spanish in my life, but I don't speak it as well as they do. I'm not fluent in it. They can go blah, 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 and just keep talking. And I'm like, huh? so, and I'll be slow down and let me get a translator to try and understand what you're saying. But anyway, back to um, the bloodthirstiness of Americans. Uh, we, you know, again, there, there's no reason to use deadly force against people who are taking property. Seriously, and, and they were, well, that's their livelihood. That that could be their whole lives. Like you can you can rebuild a business. You can't rebuild a human being. That's the difference. And so that that then because there's such a large segment of society that would would say you know i would have put my entire clip in into rosenbaum if i were written house and there are people who say oh, well he should they should be able to use deadly force to to prevent you know burning down of buildings you know meanwhile they're and they're also like they sh- if they didn't want to get shot they should have complied except for ashley babbitt of course they never say that Ashley Babbitt should have complied. They never say Ashley Babbitt should have been, well, if you didn't want to get shot, you shouldn't have broke the law. They never say that about Ashley Babbitt. Terrorist Barbie it was an unjust killing, according to them. They don't like terrorists. They don't like the idea of terrorist Barbie getting shot. And they don't like you pointing out the hypocrisy of terrorist Barbie getting shot. Now, and I'm not going to say, I was chat the other day, and I, was, and I, 
I, didn't, I, didn't, I basically wouldn't commit to say that all violent protests are bad, simply because of the fact that I want to judge every single protest on their individual merits. Um, and I wanted to prove that they don't believe that all violent protests are bad. First of all, they won't condemn January 6th. That's one thing. They won't condemn January 6th as a riot. They won't condemn the actions of the people who invaded the Capitol and who, took, who, who vandalized the Capitol, who attacked cops. You know, they wouldn't have criticized them about that. I'd be like, okay, well, did you... Some people won't condemn Charlottesville. They won't say that was, you know, they don't won't blame that, you know, on you know that white supremacist mob marching down the street saying blood and soil and the Jews will not replace us. You know, I'm Jewish. If I hear that, I, that that's a threat to me. Um, but then you go back way back when. Speaking of the history that I was helping my son learn, Boston Tea Party, they took their private property and threw it in the Boston Harbor. Wasn't that a violent protest? Are you going to criticize the colonists for doing the Boston Tea Party? No? Do you think the Boston Tea Party was justified? Yes, do you? Because if you do, clearly that's an example of private citizens destroying property because they disagreed with with taxes. This is taxes. This isn't even the unjustified and, and disproportionate killing of black people at the hands of police. That's taxes that they were complaining about. And then they went to war over it. So, no, I'm not going to sit here and say and that, that, that the Americans shouldn't have, the, American, the, the colonists shouldn't have started the Revolutionary War to get free from an unjust and tyrannical system where we were being taxed and not being able to have any say in how we were taxed. I'm not going to say that, but and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say that every violent bit of violence here in America, as, as one of the, one of the people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is factually innocent folks have said is that, you know, he rightly points out that when people bring up Martin Luther King's, uh, the protest is the voice of the unheard. That it wasn't King saying that we should condemn that we should condone the violent protests, uh, the riots. It was King saying it was King was pointing that out and saying that while we condemn those riots, King was also saying we also need to condemn the situations that caused the riots, that caused the people to feel that they had no other recourse to deal with the problems that they're complaining about other than the riot. So while condemning those riots, we also need to condemn the things about those riots. Let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. We'll come back, continue to take your uh, calls and questions in the chat uh, as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Band Radio. Off the left. That's right.
Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budget Ears is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. world gone mad. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat, and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-S. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. Radio, talk to the left, that's right, here live from New Orleans, if you want to join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131, that is 914-803-4131, and I just kind of had just a major brain fart of, what do I usually say in this moment as compared to what I always say, so weird, anyway, uh, again, join us either in the chat room on blogtalkradio.com slash libertan or in the YouTube chat as well. Both places work. I'll see your comments and I'll respond accordingly. Um, we were talking about a little bit about the bloodthirsty Americans when uh, about bloodthirsty Americans uh, when it came to the Rittenhouse trial and what some of the things that they've said about you know either Kyle Rittenhouse should have just unloaded the clip into him or or Kyle Rittenhouse or you know should you, you should be able to defend any and all property with with deadly force. Shoot first, ask questions later the willingness and just glee that some people show in, you know, a desire to take a life 
It's like almost like they're looking for a reason to take someone's life, that they want to be able to do so, but they want to be able to do so in a way that they're not going to get in trouble for. Like they really want to kill people. Speaking of folks sharing things about wanting to kill people, this week's Hypocrite of the Week is House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. The leader of the so-called Law and Order Party, McCarthy refused to censure and remove Paul Gosar from committees after he retweeted an animated video of himself killing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. McCarthy was reported to be considering removing members who voted for the Democrats' infrastructure bill, because clearly that's a worse offense. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And there you go. We did not. We did get a censure from Gosar, and Gosar was removed from his committees because of two Republicans, and you can probably guess what those two Republicans were, uh, and the Democratic Party uh, voting in lockstep. But the Republicans refused to take any action. He retweeted a video of, of an animated video of himself killing another member of Congress, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't think that's okay. Bringing a boy, do you think that what Gosar did was okay? Do you believe that Gosar should have been stripped uh, from his uh, from his committee assignments from what he did? Uh, do you believe that, you know, in my opinion, on Twitter I did this, I called out, you know, McCarthy and Scalise, because if they were real leaders, forum and safety and peace, uh, Hey, Chandler is in the YouTube chat. Welcome, Chandler. Thank you for joining us today. So, let's see. Everyone on the left thought that Kathy Griffin's decapitated Trump head was okay. Is is, is Kathy Griffin an elected member of Congress? Now, I'm not saying I'm okay with Kathy Griffin doing what she did. Uh, if, if most people, I would think, if they would have done that, would have at least had an investigation by the Secret Service by showing a picture of a decapitated president's head. Um, I think she went too far, personally, uh, with that. Um, but she's also not an elected member of Congress. And, you know, there are free speech rights that come into play when it comes to what is or isn't okay, especially when people are performers and performance blurred the lines. Um, But there is a certain level of decorum that comes in with being an elected member of Congress. Now, I'm not sure who from Congress shared it elected, but maybe those people should have been censured as well. Um, I'd have to see what, how each of them, who shared it, how they shared it. But I think one thing that makes it even, one thing that makes it, because if I shared Kathy Griffin's image, you know, and I said, this goes too far, then you could say, well, Liberal Dan shared this. I'm like, yeah, I shared it. But I've shared it to show that I think it went too far versus, you know, people who are endorsing it. I'd have to look up to see who endorsed it and, and, and then criticize those people um, for doing it. I don't 
I personally don't recall at the time it happening. I'm not doubting that it happened. I'm just saying that I didn't, I didn't see that it happened. But again, two wrongs don't make a right either. So, but here's and here's there's something else though. It's it, it's the another difference between the two, which which makes it specifically more disturbing that Gosar shared it was because it was himself doing it. Like that just adds an extra layer of creep on top of it. Like Gosar has to sit in the same chambers, same, same room with AOC. So if Gosar has to share and how, how is that, how is business supposed to take place? If, if you're one member of Congress has to sit in the same room with the, with a member of Congress who shared an animated video depicting himself killing you. I think, can we agree? It's not a precedent. Just because, look, if you have a list of people that did it, I, I'll gladly condemn them too. But I'm going to sit here and condemn Gosar for doing it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it's okay for Gosar to do it because other people did something similar. No. It, it, it's not okay. Snoop Dogg is not a member of Congress. If people if people shared and endorsed what Snoop Dogg did, then those people should have been dealt with at that time. This is Gosar sharing an animated video of Gosar killing AOC. So that that's that's what makes it specifically egregious. The fact that they won't do anything. There are other people, there are other times where other members of, like, did the Democratic Party not, like, for just bad behavior in general, did the Democratic Party not kick out Franken of, of, from, from his Senate seat? They voted to remove him. For something that wasn't a death threat. And it was, it was, inappropriate, maybe inappropriate behavior that would have been inappropriate for a senator that was done by a comedian and, in, and you know, that might have been harassment. I'm not saying I disagree with his removal. I'm just saying that the Republicans don't remove their own people when the Republicans do bad things. The Democrats do. The Republicans only remove Republicans when, they don't, we're not, when they're not loyal to the party. That's the only time a Republican will remove, at this point in time at least, the only time a Republican will remove anybody from whatever. Look at Liz Cheney. They removed Liz Cheney from her position of power because she dared have a mind of her own and vote to you know, support the, the committee and vote to impeach the second time. God forbid she have a mind of her own. You're not allowed to have a mind of your own. But what you're allowed to do apparently is to behave badly. Uh, when it comes to the other party. So, let's see. Dan, have you seen the video? I have not seen the video. I actually have not seen uh, the video of, of what happened. I'm only going it based off of what was reported, but it's reported con- rather consistently that it shows him, it's an animated video of him offing AOC. So, I've seen no no other media that has said this is not what this video contains. So, um, bringing a boy, if the, or is this your wife? 
Well, if the video was an animated good versus evil portrayal, in that case, maybe he saw himself as the hero. Ha ha. Very funny. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, so I guess I, I would like to hear maybe Chandler Pappas' view on this before I move on from the Rittenhouse case like the Aubrey case um, with the whole bloodthirsty Americans. You know, because there's, there's discussion over how many shots Rittenhouse put in to Rosenbaum. And the prosecution is like, well, one would have been enough. And then the defense, well, there was not enough between one and four to be able to d- determine whether or not one was enough. But there was no also reason to shoot four that quickly. But discussing, I mean, how many times the shot was, was shooting four rounds at Rosenbaum reasonable, regardless of the timing of it. One of the comments I've seen from conservatives, or it's not even conservatives. I, I'm, I'm going to describe it differently. I've been describing it as from those people who believe Kyle Rittenhouse to be factually innocent. That's how I've been wording it. Um, there are people. There have been people in that set of folks who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is factually innocent who said that they would have just unloaded the whole clip into Rosenbaum, to just unload the whole clip which to me reeks of bloodthirstiness. Even the CVS tape that was not allowed to be shared in court, the CVS tape, I think, showed Rittenhouse to be bloodthirsty because he said that he would put rounds, he would have used his rifle to shoot at the people that he believed were shoplifting from the CVS. They weren't a threat to anybody's life or safety. They were, they were, I don't even know if he knew that they were actually stealing stuff. He believed them as such. And he, he, he said that if he would have had his rifle, he would have acted on his belief. And I get that the judge didn't want to allow that into the trial for whatever reason. I disagree with the reasoning, but I get that, that but that still doesn't say, that still doesn't disprove the fact that Rittenhouse said that he would do it. And that just goes to show that he has this mindset of killing people to protect or shooting at people to protect property is okay. No. To me, if you believe that shooting at people to defend your property, and I'll draw the line at your dwelling, I'll draw the line if you are in your house, if you are in your so-called castle, and somebody is trying to break in, you don't know if they're coming in to commit violent acts against you, if they're going to uh, sexually assault anybody in your house, or they're going to try and kill you. You don't know any of that. So you have the right to feel safe within your dwelling and ask, I'm fine with the use of deadly force of people who are coming into your dwelling, because at that point, you don't know if they're coming in just to steal your property. They could be coming in to steal you, and it's not steal you, but to kill you. And it's reasonable to believe at that point that that, they could be trying to kill you. So Castle Doctor, I'm fine with. Just simply, there are people who have said that they support use of deadly force in defending any property whatsoever. Any property whatsoever. And to me, that's bloodthirsty. What about the Arbery case? And I see, I see you, my friend, on, on hold. I'll, I will get to you in a second. The Arbery case, where he was being... They believed that he was the individual 
who was breaking into houses. They believed it. Wasn't confirmed, but they believed it, and they decided to take the law into their own hands, and they decided to chase after a guy in a car. They had cars. He was running. He was on foot, and they decided to continue to pursue him. And I was watching some of these deliberations today, and during these deliberations, they were like... Oh, not the deliberations. Not, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word. Ah, I am frozen. Ugh. Anyway, so let, let me start over the last sentence because I think I was I lost signal there. So we're talking about the Aubrey case, and the uh, they were questioning one of the defendants about the actions of that day, and in in, in the questioning of the defendant. They were talking about, you know, the actions that were done. And they were talking about one of the things, um, they were talking about one of the things about, like, well, he was a former police officer. And as a former police officer, you were trained to do X, Y, and Z. But he wasn't acting as a police officer at that time. He was acting as a civilian. He He wasn't in a police car. He wasn't in uniform. He was dressed up as Joe Blow in his pickup truck. That's that's a huge difference. Like, there is a reason why these laws of self-defense have specific provisions in them that say that you can't defend yourself against police officers who are acting, who are coming, who are trying to stop you, who are trying to detain you, who are trying to, you know, I guess, do you harm, you know, if, if they're, if the harm is like, okay, well, they're trying to arrest you and, and they're, and they're, they're, you know, touching your person, which unwanted touching would be an assault. But if there's a police officer arresting you for, for the presumption over the presumption that you were committing a crime, then you're not, you're not allowed to fight back against them. Well, these people weren't dressed as police officers. These people were dressed as normal civilians. So therefore, that, all of that testimony should just be irrelevant because he wasn't acting as a police officer. Now, they, what they were using the testimony for was to go over, well, this is the training and how we're studied, how, we, how we're thought to use deadly force and a force escalation procedure, something that Kyle Rittenhouse clearly didn't know that night. But back to Arbery. Um, And all the things that went over with, with force escalation techniques, you can go from like zero to six or zero to seven, or you might go from zero to four and it might go back to zero, might go up to seven. You know, it's a fluid situation. Fine. I mean, police officers know that I I've learned that from police officers, but the thing is, is that they were not acting as police officers. They were acting as civilians. And while if they were dressed up as police, if they were acting as police officers and were uniformed as such, guess what? He wouldn't have had the right to fight back. He would have had to have taken it. He would have had to be detained. But these were three white folks chasing after a black guy down the back, down the streets of Georgia. And they were saying things like, well, you know, he didn't have to stop to defend himself. He could have kept running. He could have ran in a ditch or ran through a yard. 
part of the problems about the whole thing was that he ran through somebody else's yard. That's why they weren't chasing after him to begin with. If I was a black man running away from three white dudes and one of them, some of them in a pickup truck and those people were armed, guess what? I wouldn't want to run into a ditch. That'd be the easiest place for them to bury me. Is it a ditch? I can hide my body in a ditch. I'm not going in a ditch. Stupid. It's a completely stupid argument. So, so they're, but they're all trying to justify the use of it. And they're going to say, oh, well, it's self-defense because Arbery grabbed for the gun. No. They created the situation. They escalated the situation. They claimed to have called the police. They believed the police were coming, but they didn't stay back. They continued to pursue. Now, it would have been creepy had they just, you know, held back and waited for the police to come. Now, I also don't believe that you should call the police on, on people for just living. You need to have proof that they're actually doing something incorrect. Because even if the police had showed up, it might have ended up as the same thing. But then it would have been a police shooting by police case and not a shooting by civilian case. Even though the civilians, two, I guess, of the three, were, I believe, trained as police officers at some point. But they pulled out their guns, they went after him, and, and, they, and they ended up killing him. And why did they kill him? Because he decided that he wasn't going to be chased anymore. He had somebody who was chasing him in a car. They get out, they get the gun. If you came after me with a gun, I'm going to think you're going to kill me. And guess what? I would then have the legal right to commit self-defense, acts of self-defense, including taking your gun and shooting you with it. And the, the idea that he should have just kept running is absurd. Because, again, they would never tell a white person. They would never tell a white person that they could have just kept running. They would never tell that at all. That, that, if you told them, well, the white person, even with Rittenhouse, why did Rittenhouse, the, the, the defense asked Rittenhouse, why didn't you just keep running? The defense would be like, he has no duty to run if, if he's acting in self-defense. The hypocrisy of it all is they'll tell, say that Arbery should have kept running, but they won't say that Rittenhouse should have kept running. They'll, they'll, they'll object at the idea that Rittenhouse should have kept running. But they're fine with saying that Arbery should have kept running and that Arbery shouldn't have stopped and shouldn't have defended himself. It's absurd. Okay, only have a few minutes, so let's go ahead and... Uh... Oh, no, that's what I said. That's why they told Kyle he should have kept running. Well, and, and, the and the people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is factually innocent would say that Kyle had no need to run under the law if he was acting in self-defense. And that's true. If he was acting in self-defense, Wisconsin law stated they had no, he had no reason to run. So the same as Georgia. So if Rittenhouse didn't run, then you should, then Arbery shouldn't have to run either. And you only have a few minutes, so let's make sure to bring you on. Hello. Hello. Sorry to put you under the gun like that. I have a meeting at seven, but I just wanted to comment quickly if I may. Okay. Um, Kyle, uh, as far as the self-defense on for Kyle, I haven't been paying attention to the um, Ahmad Aubrey case. I've just been reading a little bit of the highlights this evening, so I can't really speak to that. But I will speak to the Rittenhouse case because I've been uh, listening to testimony since day one. And 
it appears that there were every instance that he was approached, except for those instances after the after um, he had killed um, Rosenbaum, he had retreated. And there were many instances he could have just fired his gun at people when they were harassing him, calling him names or whatever. He, he could have just fired off his gun, but he didn't. And so because he retreated during times when he could have used his gun, he and he didn't, but then he was cornered, um, then he had no choice. He was being chased after you have... You know, if he would have stood around and tried to bite him with his fist, like the prosecutor said, you know, well, we could all use a good beating every now and then. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay, so you wanted him to put the gun down and, you know, fight him with his fist. You have Rosenbaum, who had just been released from the mental hospital, who went to his girlfriend's house and she told him he had to leave. Her testimony was a lie because he was, she has a restraining order against him. So he was already pissed off that he couldn't stay there. And if she didn't leave, she was going to call the police. And so he was already in a mindset of being pissed off. And then he had to walk four miles to town. And so you've got this, and he's bipolar. They weren't sure if he had his medication that night or not. And so he's already in that mindset. People were having to hold him back. Um, he was yelling at people intimidating in an intimidating fashion. Um, and his own people were trying to hold him back as far as the people that were on his side. And, but he kept coming at him. And so you have this angry man. You don't want to fire your gun, so you're trying to stay clear. Now you see this man running at you. He's pissed off. He's yelling, fuck you. You've got all this commotion going on and uh, with everything else that's happening. And so Kyle ran. And when, when he ran, you know, he's looking back to see where this guy is at. At that point, he was at the corner, and he saw um, the Kaczynskis or whatever their name is um, couple and that gentleman had a gun. And so he just kept running. And then at the point when Rosenbaum had caught up to him, he turned around and he fired at him. It was either he felt his life was in imminent danger at that point, as far as if he would have been caught by Rosenbaum, he would have taken a beating probably within an inch of his life because there were others that would follow and take their kicks in. We've seen that happen before. And so he he did what he did, but he circled around the car to see how he was doing as far as what, you know, what he shot him. And he you got this 17-year-old kid who shouldn't have been there in the first place. But now that he's acted in self-defense in that respect because he believes his life to be in eminent danger, he went around and he's, he's that mindset all of a sudden just snapped as far as it, what did I just do? I'm in a cloud. The guy that had tended that... Um, 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 Gage, who had tended to Rosenbaum on the ground, um, didn't even know that Kyle was standing next to him because something, a situation like that is so traumatic. People are just trying to gain their bearings as far as what the hell just happened. And um, and so from that point on, you know, now he's like trying to get in touch with his friend. He's turning, trying to t turn himself into the police. And so, you know, he ends up back at one of the other um, I guess it was car, car resource two or whatever it was and hoping that people were there that he knew um, so that he could have them take him to the police station. He wasn't going to go to that police station because that police station was under siege already and there, he, you know, he already tried to turn himself into the police. They asked him where he got his vest from. The police had given it to him, um, but he didn't even wear it. He gave it to somebody else. 
And so, you know, he didn't think that it was going to go, that he was going to have to fire his gun at anybody. Like I said, he had numerous times when he could have, but he didn't. And when he came to as far as getting kicked in the head with the skateboard or with the feet and, and then the other one ain't pointing his gun at him, then he shot. Prior to that, his gun was aimed at the ground. As um, the other guy was coming towards him, the one that got his arm shot off, he had his gun aimed at the floor after he unjammed it. It was still aimed at the ground. And they were trying to say it was aimed at him. But <laughs> I guess you could say maybe at his kneecaps. But, um, yeah, so, you know, when he saw the gun, the, the Glock, he fired. And the witness even admitted it on the stand. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. There were a lot of people there that shouldn't have had guns. But you had two groups of people who believed, you know, that they were an active shooter or a person who felt that his life was in danger. And so that case is different from the Ahmad Aubrey um, case because you had three men against one. They didn't need to fire. You could subdue that one man with three men. I don't see it as, as self-defense whatsoever so because there's three against one. There's no need for a firearm. But that's all I know about that one as far as what happened. I don't know any details of the Ahmad Aubrey case. But anyway, thank you so much. I got to go. <laughs> okay. That's right. I, and because you have a meeting at 7, I wanted to go ahead and let you say everything. If you want, if, if you have time to listen before the meeting, fine. Otherwise, let me go ahead. I'm going to respond to all the points that you made. Um, and I will go ahead. And if you want to listen back later, you can, you can listen back later and hear the points. But thank you for your call. As always, um, I do want to, you know, the fact that, um, Kyle Rittenhouse <clears throat> has such circumstances where he could have used his gun earlier um, but, and would have not have been legally entitled to do so. Um, that, that I don't think that ha- that is relevant in like one of the, I've heard this legal theory or this theory from a lot of people when it comes to Rittenhouse. Well, if he's such a bloodthirsty person, you know, then why, uh, then why didn't he shoot more people? If he came there to shoot people, why didn't he shoot more people? Um, well, if you wanted to say that he was the worst and worst, worst person and that he was – I rolling back and let's talk generally speaking for a second because I'm not saying that necessarily saying that Rosen, was Rittenhouse was trying to do this. But rolling back – like go, going back to like the Zimmerman case and what I, what I was concerned about the Zimmerman case when he – shot Trayvon Martin was that I was concerned that people were going to use a ruling like that. People were going to use the laws as they were written to, even though you're not allowed under the laws to provoke attacks and then use self-defense, claim self-defense when shooting people. I was afraid that people were going to try and get away, use their, you know, the people who were bloodthirsty would try and use these laws as written to, to, to get around the law and be able to claim self-defense while getting away with killing people. But they're going to be able to satisfy and satiate their bloodlust by using the new laws as they're written. That was one of my concerns. Did written, I can't, I wasn't, I'm not written out his head. I can't say that that's what he was doing or not. There are people who believe that he, that he literally came there to shoot people. I'm not going as far as to say that he came there that day with the intent of shooting people. I'm saying that he came in there knowing that there was a possibility that he could have shot people and he was 
didn't understand things like, you know, force escalation and didn't know when deadly force is justified and when deadly force is not justified. And because he didn't know that when he, and he put himself in a situation that doesn't absolve him of the fact that he's still required to only use deadly force in circumstances. That's why I believe that, you know, the, the actions that he took were not reasonable. And we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but just because he didn't shoot people. So, so I don't think he was there just to just be a mass shooter. He just happened to shoot at four people because of the situation. And because, but I believe his use of deadly force was not reasonable. But just because he didn't shoot earlier is, isn't proof that his shootings later were justified. Like bad people can do just like his removing of graffiti, just like his being involved in, you know, whatever junior firemen or junior police officer groups that he was a member of. You know, all those things about what a such a good person he was. You know, there's a picture of Charles Manson playing guitar, looking all happy and smiley. That doesn't prove that Charles Manson is a good person. You know, people can do horrible things, that and you could point at good things that they've done in their lives. Nobody is, like, 100% evil. Like, somebody might have, you know, donated at a soup kitchen or, or fire, volunteered at a soup kitchen and then murdered 12 people. You know, it's... Good acts don't negate bad acts. Good acts don't make it impossible for people to then do bad later. Um, I would question the idea that he was cornered. Um, he ran to the particular spot. It, clearly, he could have run, by looking at the drone footage, you could see that he could have run other places. And clearly, after he shot Rosenbaum four times, he did run through cars and was able to escape another way. So... So clear, I mean, yeah, there is the benefit of after he shot, 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 fired the shots, there were other people who then cleared out more, but you can still see clear paths for his escape. It, he wasn't cornered. Um, now, and, uh, the restraining order against Rosenbaum, the mental mindset of Rosenbaum, his being an angry dude. Again, only thing that's relevant of whatever Rosenbaum did this night were his interactions between himself and Rittenhouse and what Rittenhouse could could have seen. The fact Rittenhouse didn't know he had a restraining order. Rittenhouse didn't know that he had uh, problems with his girlfriend. Rittenhouse didn't know that he was a I guess he's a convicted pedophile. Um, people bring that up because they wanted to discredit the guy who got shot. But it was if unless Kyle knew those things, like unless Rosenbaum was like, "Hey, I'm a kid toucher and I'm going to come after you," like. N-word, because he liked the N-word. Um, it's, it's irrelevant to the case. So whatever, whatever you know, his mannerisms, his demeanor, his bark, as, as they said by the, in the prosecution, um, his bark, you know, he could see, he could, whatever he saw, whatever Rittenhouse saw of that is relevant. But if Rittenhouse didn't see it, it's not relevant. Let's see, Gage had his gun permit recused for almost two years. And yeah, and, and he, he, Jay, he thought that his gun permit was legal, and it wasn't. Um, but again, that doesn't, that's also something that's not relevant to whether or not Rittenhouse's use of force against Rosencrantz, or whatever his name is, Grosskreutz or whatever, is, was justified or not. Because he didn't know. Um, and speaking of the yelling at people, you know, there is, there is testimony in the trial, and this was part of the closing arguments, and I have a video about this, too, if you want to go check it out, but um, was it Bulger uh, said that 
Rosenbaum said, I will kill you immediately after the fire, the uh, fire, fire in the dumpster incident where they said F around and find out. Well, the video evidence shows that that didn't happen in the way that he described it. There's no video of of there's video evidence of pretty much the entire night. Yet there's no video evidence of that. That's one of the strongest arguments I think that was made by the prosecution was that they they couldn't prove these statements that were said. And if there's no evidence that they happened, then you, the jury shouldn't be able to take them into take that into consideration. Um, other thoughts that sh- that you had made. Uh, Rosenbaum caught up. Did he? Did he catch up? Uh, I think it's been pretty much testified to the fact that you know. Maybe supposedly Rosenbaum was leaping at or, or lunging at Rittenhouse when he got shot. Um, they're saying that he was lunging for a gun, for his gun, for Rittenhouse's gun. Um, but I don't think I, don't, I think the only time that he touched the gun was when he was falling to the ground, shot in the hip. So again, and I, and I have a problem with believing the idea that deadly force is somehow allowed simply because you have a gun on you. Like if you lunge at me, and I don't have a gun, there's no way that deadly force is 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 necessary. But if you lunge at me and I have a gun, somehow that makes the use of deadly force okay. No, I, I don't buy that legal theory. And if that, and if that is the legal, if that's how if that's how our laws are written, then our laws need to change. Because again, that only goes to just cement the bloodthirsty nature of our people that simply carrying a gun allows you to use it. Uh, and, and when a situation where if you didn't have the gun, deadly force wouldn't be allowed. Oh, it's a different situation because you have a gun. You're creating the situation. You're making the situation different by having a gun. Um, sure. I believe that Rosen, that, that Rittenhouse, I'm sorry, Rittenhouse may very well have felt that his life was in danger. That's not all that's needed under the law. It's not just him that has to feel that his life is in danger. A reasonable person in his situation would have to believe that his life is in danger. And earlier in the show, I was talking about that, where I said that I don't believe that people who subscribe to the theory that you should just be able to unload the, unload the full magazine into the person who's coming after you. As, I don't believe that those people are reasonable people. It's not a reasonable legal stance to take. But a reasonable person would have to believe in that situation that their life was in danger or that they were in, in, in immediate physical harm. Now, the whole take your licks or whatever, get a beating, I, you know, again, I don't agree with everything that the, that the prosecution said. But just because Rosenbaum might have been a threat to, you know, potentially cause some harm to Rittenhouse, some harm is not justification for deadly force. If, 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 if he might have come and hit him, maybe he would have tackled him to the ground. I don't know. Some harm is not justification for deadly force. Let's see. Uh, what else? What did Gage Grosskreutz admit on the stand? Um, the people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is factually innocent do like to point out that at the very end of the examination or the, of the questioning by the defense attorney that he said when you were standing like this was your was the point of the gun pointing at it, pointed at him yes and that's and, and, and Gage Grosscourt said yes um, but he also said 
and again, you have to take context, comments within the context in which they're given. He also said that he wasn't aiming at him. Like he wasn't now, and again, I'm going to, you know, I, I've had many problems with things that ben, Binger has done. Binger's like, he didn't do this. He didn't do this. You know, he didn't, you know, shoot his, he didn't, he didn't take this X, Y, Z. No, there's no one way to fire a gun. There's no, I mean, there may be safer ways and correct ways to fire a gun, but people can fire guns in ways that are not correct. I've seen people criticizing the way I think that Rittenhouse was, was holding and carrying his gun. But, I mean, so you're sitting there like this or whatever, like his hands towards the, the gun and I'm trying to get the whole thing in camera or whatever. But it, this is not really the way you would, uh, I mean, I think this is, it's not necessarily reasonable to say, especially when but his hands are up first. He was holding his gun in his hand, but his hands were up. He was like, look. And and there's the argument as was Rittenhouse aiming at him, you know, was aiming in the general direction. So you can make the same argument. Well, it was, it, it, he might have been not pointing it directly at his face, but it was the the barrel of the gun was faced in the general direction of him. You can get shot in the leg and then you lose your leg. It's like you can shot in the bicep and you lose a bicep. So I don't necessarily buy the whole argument that, you know, oh, Gage Grosskreutz was, you know, his testimony proved the defense. No, it, it, his testimony, you know, he had to answer honestly when it came to, well, was the, was it facing him? Yes. Was he aiming at him and trying to shoot him? Uh, no, I don't think he was trying to shoot him at that point. I think if he was trying to shoot him, he probably would have taken a step back to take aim at him. Instead, he was trying to get the gun and have the gun not pointing at him. So, again, that's up for the jury to decide, and then whether or not the jury would decide. I think if somebody asked me what I thought the charges would be, what, what I think, if I was in, because I don't think he's going to get convicted. I have no belief in my mind that he's going to be convicted of, of the charges, of, of any of the charges, especially since they dropped the gun charge. But... Um, if I was on the jury and I'm sitting on that jury and w- seeing what I've seen and watching what I watched and all the testimony that I've seen, I would probably say, um, what was that? I, pr- I would probably say guilty on reckless endangerment uh, or, or guilty on the reckless shooting charge on, on against Rosen, Ro- Rosenbaum, guilty for the next two charges of the reckless endangerment. I probably would vote not guilty on... Uh, first degree intentional homicide. Um, I probably would vote guilty on second degree intentional homicide. I would, I would vote for the lesser, uh, of the lesser included. Um, against Gage uh, Grosskreutz, I probably would not vote guilty on first degree attempted or attempted first degree uh, homicide, intentional homicide. I probably would vote guilty on second degree um, in, or attempted second degree intentional homicide. So that, that's probably how I would how I would rule if I was a member of the jury because um, I don't necessarily think that first degree intentional homicide fits um, but I do think second does fit because with second degree intentional homicide you have to just he can believe that his life is in danger but he has to and he can believe that his life is in danger and he can believe that uh, his that deadly force was, was was needed to stop his life from being in danger, but he would have to be unreasonable about one of those things. That would be enough to prove him guilty, to, to, to rule him guilty in that case. Um, whereas um, 
the first degree case believes that you know you have to only you have to only um, intend to shoot and shoot. Um, well, this, the law says intend to kill, but if you intend to shoot a deadly weapon at somebody and you're aiming center mass, you're intending to kill. Rittenhouse made a made a tried to tried to make an argument was like I intended to shoot him, I didn't intend to kill him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't buy that at all. Let's see, uh, you wanted guilty on all counts before this started, and I am saying guilty on all counts. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that when you look at the requirements of what's allowed, I think second degree is a better fit than first degree. So, lesser included. I think potentially make it more likely for him to get convicted. Um, lesser included also means that if he's convicted, it could potentially be less of a less of a charge. And look, the defense didn't object to every single lesser included. It's not like the defense now. Now the defense uh, did object to some, and for, shockingly enough, the, the defense said that he. That I think when it came to the Grosskreutz charges the defense objected to all of the lesser included and, or especially the one where it was the uh, reckless endangerment um, because they're like, because the defense is like, well, how can you knowingly want to shoot somebody, but then recklessly shoot somebody like you, you knowingly unknown or whatever. So they were trying to make the argument uh, a Rumsfeld type argument. And um, the judge was like, I'm inclined to agree with the prosecution in this case as, as well. So, I think he. Sh- I would vote guilty on all of the charges that that were in front of him. I just would probably more be more likely to vote for the lesser included. I don't think necessarily they have met the burden of proof for the first degree, but for second degree, sure. Um, let's see. Is that a, you aim to kill or stop your attacker? Well, when people say you aim to kill your or stop your attacker, the way you stop your attacker is by killing them. Because you're shooting them, you're using deadly force. One of the other things that was brought up by the prosecution, which I think I don't think was focused on enough, was that Rittenhouse did not bring any non-lethal means of defense. Rittenhouse didn't, didn't bring with him a baton or pepper spray or some other form, a baseball bat, a metal baseball bat or a, or a wooden baseball bat. He didn't bring anything else with him to defend himself except for that rifle. So he had no intention of. He had no he had no way to defend himself. Maybe he could use his fists, his feet. As the as the prosecution said, he could have kicked him in the nuts. Uh, let's see if you have. Let's go into the chat. Is that three dogs or bring a boy? If you have a if you have a protection weapon like Kyle did, you don't just shoot aimlessly. Well, although one would argue that the four shots were kind of aimlessly. They didn't go center mass. They went all over the place. Then he used. The type of caliber of weapons that he used, or the, not the caliber, but the type of jacket that he used, the, the full metal jacket one, has the potential of shooting through the, the person who gets shot and going to somebody else. And the two shots against jump kick guy, they didn't hit. He shot from a position where he was laying back and he's like, Dude, that was two aimless shots. You can't tell me that he didn't shoot aimlessly. With jump kick guy, he clearly shooted aimlessly because he didn't aim. Shot two shots, and he missed. Why? Because we've never heard from Jump Kick Guy again. 
they don't know who he is. I think one person may have found who he is finally today or something. But the entirety of the trial, they didn't know who this guy was, which, which made the whole that, – that was like one of the amusing things of the trial was that it's jump kick guy. You know, to have to hear people referring to jump kick guy, um, which is basically the way that everybody refers to him because he jumped and kicked. Um, point of order. What's your point of order, bringing a boy? Let's see. Go back to the previous questions. Before, while, you're at, while you're typing out your point of order, um, why did Gage have a right to have a gun for self-defense and not Kyle? Uh, well, apparently, according to the judge, because he dismissed the, the, he dismissed the gun charge, apparently he did have the right to have his gun. So that charge got thrown out. So apparently he did have the right to have his gun. Um, but... I would argue that because I, I think the law is clear in that the intent of the law is clear, even the law is written poorly. But if the law is written poorly and you don't and you and, and you're you're instructed to not use the intent, then I think they might have had to acquit on the gun charge anyway if it wasn't tossed out. But it was tossed out, so there's no gun charge. So there you go. Um, let's see. But whatever the state of mind of Rosenbaum was, he says the behavior goes to the state of mind. Whatever the behavior, whatever the state of mind of Rosenbaum was, all Rittenhouse can do is act on the behavior that he saw. And yeah, you saw a guy who was barking a lot, um, but the guy was getting in the faces of people with guns and not doing anything. And Bulger, the guy that said, Kyle Bulger said, he told me that he was going to kill us. And he said exactly when it happened, it didn't happen. It, it did not happen. It is not on video. And while, no, you don't have 100% of the night on video, you have a whole lot of that night on video. And as he described it, it would have happened right there, right then and right there. And they can't produce it. And since the prosecution was able to disprove that it happened in the way that Bulger claimed it did, then... That goes a long way to helping fight the claim of self-defense by Rittenhouse and the defense. Oh, boom, what? What did you say, oh, boom, about? I don't know what you said. Let's see. Let's go back over here. Um, ah, I don't know why that's doing that. I don't know why it's doing that either. I don't know why it's doing that uh, back. Okay. I don't know what it was what was going on with the blog talk radio chat. Your shotgun law for the people is constant your basic guilty was uh, it was thrown out. And the judge threw it out, threw it out because of the I guess the way it's written. It's written it was a poorly written law. I, I said from day one that it was a poorly written law. I, I said the one that the jury might convict on was that one, except for the fact that it probably would get overturned on appeal because it's a poorly written law. Now but again the intent of the law was for the exception to be carved out for people hunting. That was the intent of the law. Why? Because you could look at the act. We went through this on a previous podcast. That was the intent of the law. But again, whether or not that law was, 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 would get, or the, or the law would get, or the charge would get tossed out, I said was above my pay grade. That would be up to the judge to do. The judge decided it was not, or that as it was written, 
as poorly as it was written, even if it was intended to be carved out for hunting only, which I think was the intent, uh, the judge deemed differently and flat out just kicked out the charge. And the prosecution just let it go. I know I did a show on it. I did a whole, I did a whole show on whether or not that, that what, what the gun law says and how it's worded and whether or not Rittenhouse is uh, legally justified to be carrying that gun, the rifle, and I think the intent of the people who drafted the legislation back in 2005 was to only carve out an exception for hunting and not to carve out an exception because it doesn't make any sense that an individual who's 17 years old would be allowed to walk down the street with an AR-15 but not walk down the street, but could not legally walk down the street with nunchucks or throwing stars or a taser. You can't have a taser. It would have been illegal for Kyle Rittenhouse that night to be walking around the street with a taser, but legal for him to have an AR-15. What sense does that make? To me, that says that the, the exception that was written in the law was was written in the law for hunting only. But at the end of the day, the judge made his ruling, and we have to abide by the ruling. And hopefully the Wisconsin legislature will at some point take up this law and clear it up and say, okay, this exception for the law has always been for hunting because of the location of the law. Location is in like the fish and wildlife section of the law. So if it's in fish and wildlife, it's only going to handle things that are dealing with fish and wildlife, which is not roaming the streets of Kenosha. Kenosha, if you're 17 years old, you likely don't know how to handle yourself in the situation that he put himself in, that they put him in. Lots of adults failed Rittenhouse that night. His mother should have never let him go out late at night in the middle of Kenosha. The adults who were the house where his gun was located uh, or I guess the gun that would be his after the straw purchase. Um, they should have never let him walk out the door with the gun, but they did. Uh, they should have never let Rittenhouse walk around alone. They should have always had somebody with him the entire time. They shouldn't even let him come out armed. If he wanted to be a medic, they should have just let him be the medic and then if they felt that he needed armed protection while being a medic, they should have followed him around and given him the armed protection whilst being a medic. He was not trained in, in any of the situations that he was going to be dealing with. He was in over his head. But being in over his head doesn't, doesn't, is not an excuse for not following the law. And there is only a certain set, set of situations that you're allowed to use deadly force under the law. And it becomes even less there's even fewer situations where you could use deadly force if you provoked. And there's been, there was testimony to show that Rittenhouse did provoke. Whether or not it proves it beyond standard of a doubt, beyond reasonable doubt, that's another issue. That's up to the jury to decide. The jury will have to decide if the prosecution proved whether or not it was provo- he was provoking that night. If he was provoking, then you have to meet certain criteria before you can use deadly force. Uh, otherwise, you have to meet other criteria before you can use deadly force. Ripley, thank you for joining us. Um, show's not going to last too much longer, but uh, his mother didn't. I mean, his mother sent him over, so his mother didn't know. His mother didn't know that he was going to be. If I was, I was going to another town. I'm just 
could say another town so the people who believe Conrad has to be factually innocent don't get on the whole cross state line things. He was he lived in one town, he was going to another town. If I was going to another town or city or whatever with friends at seventeen years old, my parents would have wanted to know where I was going, who I was gonna be hanging out with, and what I was doing, what were the plans that night. So I had, those questions should have been asked. Now, did Rittenhouse lie to his mom if she asked that? You know, that's a different story. Sure. I mean, he lied other times that night. So maybe he lied to his mom too. I don't know. But if I was his mom, I would have wanted to know what was going on. And especially if I was his mom, and I'd be like, you know what? Why do you want to go to Kenosha at, at, during the night while there are riots going on? People are rioting. People are acting a fool. People are doing things that, you know, you don't want to be in the middle of as a 17-year-old kid. Maybe you shouldn't go. Maybe you should just go do your graffiti cleanup and then just come back home. So, but but she wasn't, but even if she was complete, had no idea what was going on, she, there was other adults that failed him as well. So even if she didn't fail him, other adults failed him as well. And again, he went the day before. Still, if I'm his mom, I'd want to know everything that was going on. I would want to go every, want to know everything that was going on. And, I, and I'd, if, I was his, if I was a parent, if I was his parent, I'd be like, you probably should stay away from there. Stay in Antioch. Don't go in the middle of the wasp nest. You're going to get stung. Bringing a boy, uh, the way that night was going, there and no law was there. All bets are off. It's, but it's still, if his mom knew that he was going to be going to be defending a property that night, which is what he went and did, then his mom failed him because that should have never been allowed. If his mom didn't know. Still could have failed him because should have been a little more proactive in determining what the hell her 17-year-old child was doing in Kenosha for those days. She tried and he lied. Well, then other adults also failed him that night. Plenty of adults failed him that night. But that, again, doesn't excuse his actions. Where does mom live, Ripley? Where, where was his house of residence, Ripley? His, his place where he lived, where he laid his head. If I had, uh, if there was violence going on in the middle of Israel, and I had family living in Israel, I wouldn't be like, yeah, son, go to Israel right now. Having family in a town where civil unrest is going on is not an excuse to go visit that family. I have kids, and I do have kids, and they wanted to go visit family in a town that had civil unrest. I would be like, let's wait for the civil unrest to be over with. The idea that he had family in there somehow justifying his actions is ridiculous. He lived in Antioch. 
That was where he lived. I don't know where his residence is now, but that was where he lived. And you say that there's no evidence that he provoked. Well, obviously they presented evidence to, that he provoked. Whether or not that evidence that he provoked is enough for the jury to rule, that's now in the hands of the jury, whether or not he provoked. Simple as that. You know, there was there was evidence there was there was there was statements saying that he raised his gun. But, you know, as as the prosecution said that the one blurry picture uh was like the fifth or sixth that they claimed to have presented. If the jury buys it, the jury buys it, if the jury doesn't buy it, they don't buy it. What have I said of the entire time, Ripley? You we we agree on one thing, and, and I'll say this again. Me and Ripley agree on one thing. We do not trust the justice system to come down with the ruling that we think should happen. We disagree on what that ruling might be. I think that he's guilty of, I think he should be found guilty on all of them, but I think there are some charges that are more likely to be uh, found a conviction on than not. I think the shots at jump kick guy probably are the most likely ones to be convicted on. Um, I went through all this on my video on Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, you know, I don't think that they convict on the reckless endangerment on the on the news on the on the um, news person. Forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, I don't believe that they do that if if they don't come back with a guilty verdict against Rosenbaum. Um, you know, I, I think that Huber is, is is another one that's more possible than Gage Grosskreutz. Um, so it's possible he could be convicted on only jump kick guy. It's possible he only gets convicted on jump kick guy and Huber. It's possible that he gets acquitted on the other three charges. I also think it's probable that he gets not convicted on any of them because I don't think that Binger, Binger did his job well enough. I don't think that, and I don't trust the justice system to convict on those things in the way that it is. And it's also harder than, you know, to, to convict than it is to not to acquit. And that's purposeful and that's good that it's purposeful. You shouldn't be able to easily lock somebody up. And whether or not he bounced back and forth, and it lets, so maybe his dad failed him too. He bounced back and forth between his dad and his mom's place. And his dad should have been like, you know what? Maybe you should stay in Antioch during the civil unrest. Again, it's the same argument. More adults failing him. More adults failing him. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that V Radio is not in the chat because uh, at least he hasn't said anything in the chat because I think V Radio has jumped off of YouTube uh, because of the apparently YouTube didn't like 20 seconds of comments that he made about the 2016 primary, which is just absurd. Like I'm not saying his comments are absurd. I'm saying that what they will kick you out. There are plenty of people who. I yeah, deplatforming fine. You know, there are a lot of people who should very well be deplatformed for the crap that they say. I don't. Th- I I was involved in that conversation that V Radio had uh, was having because I was I was part of it. We were discussing the 2016 campaign. Um, he believes something about Bernie Sanders, and I believe something different about Bernie Sanders and and why he lost. And apparently for the 20 seconds or whatever that he discussed Bernie Sanders, somebody was like, oh, let's kick him off. Let's report him and kick him off. I'm like, wow, really? 
I mean, like stating your opinion about about what you believe happened. I mean, there's there were people who did do things, you know, that I disagree with in the Democratic Party when it came to actions pertaining to Bernie Sanders. I just think that he that none of those came in anywhere close to why he lost the primaries. And it's just bizarre that he would have gotten a warning from what was said there. Um, so when am I going on Neil's or uh, Dr- Johnny Walker Dredd's show? Um, I've never been invited by Johnny Walker Dredd to come on a show. So that, that, that's not even a, a current option as, that I know of as of right now. Um, when am I going on Neil's show? Neil is the radio. Um, there was uh, some, I think me and him potentially might need some stuff worked out. Um, I don't know if he's seen my last video that I put up. Um, I think he should watch the video that I put up um, because I directly addressed something at the end of it. And and he, I haven't heard anything about that yet, but I also know that he's also jumped off YouTube. So at least temporarily, I don't know if he's permanently staying off of YouTube or not, but I was trying to be on uh, Neil's show over the weekend. I got very busy on Saturday because uh, I had to deal with some uh, personal you know, errands pertaining to my wife's car finally being repaired. Um, and then Sunday, I was like, yeah, I can come on today, just you know, after the game. But then he wound up being part of a five-person, I guess, chat uh, with, I think, someone from the Kenosha Guard and JWD and maybe Logical Checkmate and somebody else. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see. I don't remember who the fifth person was, but I was going to go on the show. But we also then had a disagreement, uh, and, and then he kicked out of his chat for a bit uh, because of something that that I was trying. He, I felt that he uh, he uh, tried to, you know, claim that I had some sort of lack of integrity or whatever because he claimed that I my facts that I was presenting were somehow biased and therefore wrong. Um, but I think I've proven my case that was right. I hope he watches that video and I hope he listens for the entire video entirety of itself because I do address him specifically later on in the video about something else. Um, so it's that if he never does and he never reaches back out, it is what it is. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's not my job. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, so anyway, I have to go pretty soon. I only scheduled the show for a possibility of two hours today, but I, I do, I should probably get off sooner rather than later, um, have stuff to do, have, have to be up in the morning, uh, all that good stuff. Um, but to, to wrap it all up, I guess in a bowl, if you will, um, I never even did play the second commercial. Let's go ahead and take the second commercial break. And then I will go ahead and, uh, things up in a nice little bow, uh, so to speak. Uh, so anyway, so I, I'm not going to get the phone number because after I wrap things up in a bow and be hanging up, if there's some additional questions you want to ask in the chat, you know, you can do that and I'll try and address them before I end the show. Um, this is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? (laughs) 
Well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawings. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Again, this is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. Well, don't, because we're not accepting any more phone calls, because this is pretty much close to the end of the show. I'm going to wrap things up. But before I wrap things up, I do want to play uh, Words of Redneck Wisdom, because I forgot to do that, too. So let's go ahead and play that real quick, and we'll touch on that subject of the bloodthirstiness that comes with here, potentially, and we'll then wrap things up in a bow. Now, words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, you know, I, I just got some things. Yes, I was there on January 6th. They are, they're, they're looking for me, and um, I ain't going to go with them. And let me tell you why. Let me take you to January 6th. First, right when, you, right, when you, right when we got there, you know, the, the, the mayor took away every Portage on. You got 45,000 people down there, nowhere to go to bathroom. Had, we had no trash cans, we had no Portage on because they, they took them. I watched them load them on the truck and delete take them. Did we leave a mess? Did we tear up anything? No. You couldn't find a piece of trash out there on that field. But you know why? Because there were Americans that respected and loved this country that was out there. Alright? People should be, American, there should be 350 million Americans down here. We didn't even have 0.01% of Americans down there protesting. Well, I, I left, and then I heard while I was on the train that um, 
the protest was getting heated up, so I run back. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Den Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Yeah, uh, he said there wasn't any pieces of trash on that on the uh, Capitol. I would disagree with that statement completely. There are plenty of pieces of trash on that Capitol. Um, but, yeah, there's much more to that audio, and I may go into that next week uh, because this guy is supposedly – he calls into the morning show that I listen to sometimes, uh, pretty much every morning, but he calls into the morning show and he starts talking about how he's wanted by the FBI – and how they're after him, and he's not going with him. He basically says at some point later on in the interview uh, that he would rather die than be taken by the FBI. And uh, the idea that they're all patriots, you know, because you know they were attacking, uh, you know, we were. We, he's like we weren't attacking people, but then he later on says, "Oh, well, we were." Uh, you know, I I only attacked the guards that attacked me first, and you know we were, but there should have been more people there, you know. <sighs> the excuses that are given for almost every action that they do is just bizarre. Oh, wait, V radio is here. Hey, V radio. I more than happy to, to handle the smoke. Did you watch the entirety of my last video that I emailed you V radio? I, I want to know. Have you watched that, that video? Bringing employee says the FBI has their patsies. What? And he also said, God bless this America. Are you saying God bless the guy who's wanted by the FBI? Not yet. Okay, so, so V Radio, I would encourage you to watch the entirety of that video first before we start talking about stuff because um, I'm not going to repeat myself from what I said. I did watch yours. I watched yours after I produced mine. And while well, I watched yours while I was waiting for mine to upload. Um, and uh, I made an assumption in my video before you uh, before you made yours, and your video helped one of my assumptions be proved correct as to which part you believed Binger was lying about. Uh, but again, I'm not going to rehash the entirety of, of those two videos. Uh, I did share my video um, with our conversation that we had. I also linked to your video for my video so that everybody could see it um, and everybody can make an informed decision based off of my arguments and your arguments about what went on in the prosecution's closing and whether or not Binger was lying at that point. Um, but then there's a special extra note in there for you at the end, uh, Neil. So I would encourage you to go watch it um, and then maybe uh, we can talk things about things afterwards, um, depending on what you have to say about what I said. Um, but anyway, to wrap things up on today's show, um, you know, there, there's just the the fact that you have people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is factually innocent, who are saying, who have said in both V Radio's chats and in other places, like on Facebook or whatever, um, who have said that you know if they were him, they they would have unloaded the clip and do them. But you have people that have that that would that believe that the law should be changed. Uh, in order to use deadly force to protect any property and not just your dwelling. Uh, the fact that you have people who, um, you know, will, will, will tell people, well, 
No, maybe they should have just complied uh, with what was told to them. Um, yeah, he said Rosenbaum was not present in, in the context in which the entirety of that argument was being given, and you have to take you have to take statements made within the context in which they are given, and not just in a vacuum. Go watch my video. Um, anyway. Um, Anyway, so you, you know, people want to change the law to make it so that you can use deadly force to defend any property, not just your dwelling. Uh, with deadly force, people want to people want to make excuses for people who use deadly force way too quickly. There are people who are making excuses for the people who killed Ahmad Arbery. To their credit, there are people who believe Kyle Rittenhouse to be factually innocent who have said that the people who killed Arbery should be convicted, which is fine. I mean, I, I, we disagree on the Rittenhouse thing, but at least you can draw a line somewhere. Um, but the way that these laws are written, the way that these, that, that our, their system works, uh, is that it, you, it, it has become much easier. I mean, again, my, as I said earlier in the show, my concern with the Zimmerman ruling about, you know, the shooting of Trayvon Martin, uh, was that I was afraid that people would want to use that ruling and use the, basically what they, you could basically told people what they could get away with. Um, and I think deadly force should be the last thing that gets resorted to, not the first thing, um, unless unless you're in a situation clearly where, where it's clear that there is a deadly threat. But there are too many people who believe in shooting first and asking questions later. Um, so, again, BD Radio, it's, it's in the video that I created. Go watch the video. Um, and I didn't know. And see, no, see, that's a straw man, V Radio. That's a straw man, and that I, I, I expect better of you. I, I, I expect that kind of comments from other people. I expect differently from you. I've been I, f- from the start. I've been holding you in a higher esteem than some of the other people that I've had conversations with, especially in your stream. I've never said, nor do I believe, that somebody should be allowed to, to be curb stopped. But there is the, the law doesn't allow you to consider any threat to trigger the use of deadly force. It has to be a deadly threat or a severe injury, a threat of severe injury. And it has, and it has to, you have to be reasonable in believing that. And a reasonable person has to believe that. So it doesn't matter if Kyle believed that he was about to die. It matters that if a reasonable person believes that he was about to die. And yes, bringing a boy or Zeddy Sue dogs, if you're not aware of his username, um, all right, V Radio, just messing with me. But look, I mean, what, with what happened in my chat or in your chat, you know, I, I really felt that you were you were you were trying to assert and I, that I was being disingenuous or or or, or dishonest or somehow incorrect with my beliefs about what Binger was doing when he was making his entirety of his argument because of my bias. And I'm, I'm saying no, that my opinion was formed based off of my hearing every argument that was made within that segment of the arguments, like from one, from one slide to the next slide, he was in that whole section between this part of the slide and this part of the, this slide was an, an entirety of an argument being made. 
And the point of that entire argument was not that Rosenbaum wasn't there, but that Rosenbaum wasn't there saying the things that, Bing, that Bulger said that he said. That was the point. And I, and I present my arguments as to why that's the point in the video that I created. I addressed Binger's points in his entirety. I address what the prosecution posted, the, vid, the picture showing Rosenbaum there. I addressed the little minutia, the little minute part that you showed that you repeated several times in your video that you purposely stuttered uh, for artistic effect. I'm not saying you manipulated it to, to show that he didn't, that he said it more times than he didn't. I'm just saying he, you had him stutter that. And then other times, I also played the other times in the audio where and video where he said, you know, that Roosevelt wasn't there. Specifically, when he said it, in, when he, when the when the camera was pointing at the dumpster, Rosenberg was not there. He was not in the frame. But the point again was not that Rosenbaum wasn't there, but but, but that Bulger's description of the events that took place, which included Rosenbaum saying that he was going to kill them, Binger was trying to disprove, and he did a very good job disproving it. Anyway. Watch the video. Watch the way I presented that video. I would probably argue that I maybe presented that video with the exception of misstating one name. I said Rosenbaum when I should have said Rittenhouse one time, and I, and I put that in the comments. Um, and I think I, make my, I think I make my case as to why I was correct about what Binger was saying better than Binger and the prosecution made their case in the closing. So, again, context. Just like how when people, you know, people assume that there are always implied words in in, in, in the, there are many times there are implied words in arguments. Like when people are like, Black Lives Matter, and people's like, well, all lives matter, well, Black the real when people say Black Lives Matter, they just mean like, well, Black Lives Matter too, or Black Lives should matter. But Black Lives Matter is what they say because they want Black Lives to matter, and they don't believe that they do in the eyes of the law. Um, and I don't want to get into a whole discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement in the 12 minutes and 45 seconds that I have left in the podcast. Um, yeah, he's there, but he wasn't there doing what Bulger was was. Claim Ryan Bulger said that Rosenbaum did X. And the point from the one slide to the next slide in the in the part that part of the closing was not to make the argument that Rosenbaum wasn't there, but was to make the argument that Rosenbaum didn't say what he said. Bulger said that you had the F around and find out comments. You, then you had Bulger talking to somebody on the street, and then Rosenbaum was there saying the words that he was going to kill him. That was Bulger's testimony, and I play the test. I went and dug up the testimony too. I sat through the testimony trying to find it, and I eventually found it to make sure that we could every piece of the puzzle there. Bulger said X happened. Binger was trying to show in that segment of the closing that X did not happen in order to try and make it so that the self-defense claim was not as was not the, the self-defense claim hinges on Rosenbaum saying these things. Ben Bulger says that 
he, Rosenbaum said the things at this segment of time. It did not happen in that segment of time. Rosenbaum was not sit there saying those words at that particular time. So to nitpick on the whole Rosenbaum wasn't there is not looking at the entirety of the context in which the comment was given. Again, watch the video. There doesn't have, okay. And I think I do address this as well in the video, but I'll address it here as well. The defense is not required to prove that the statement was said in order for, in order for the jury to consider it in a vacuum, right? So the jury just has to believe that it could have been said enough to give reasonable doubt. So, so, so that so if, if to, to break the ability of the prosecution to say it wasn't self-defense, prosecution has to prove that it wasn't self-defense beyond reasonable doubt. Get enough. Get, if, if the defense injects this theory that X was said, they don't have to prove it was said. They just need to make the argument that was said that it was said to give enough doubt to go so that there is more than just the beyond so that it's enough doubt so that it's not beyond reasonable doubt. Okay. But there was testimony that was given that things happened this way. X happened, Y happened, Z happened, done. So, and so that, so the defense is basing the, Bulger says that X, Y, and Z happened. He, so he tells you when these things are happening. So then the defense, the prosecution says, okay, well, here's the video. Here's X. X happens. And then here's Y. Y happens. Where's Z? Z didn't happen. Had Z happened, it would have been on video. But it wasn't. So while the defense does not have to provide video showing that it happened, the fact that the prosecution did provide video to show that it didn't happen in the way in which Bulger said it did is the point there. That's exactly what the prosecution was trying to do, to show that that argument, that that threat was not there as Bulger said it was. Even if he showed a video with him in it, even if he showed the video, even if he played the video beyond that point where to, to show him standing there, it was after point Z. It was Bulger, or Bulger basically said in his first, the, the Efron and find out comment happened. He then went to go talk to somebody on the street. And as soon as he finished, as soon as he finished talking to the person on the street, he turns around there's Rosenbaum in his face, no less, making the threats. That's what Bulger said. Rosenbaum was in his face. That picture that was shown didn't have Rosenbaum in his face. He wasn't there in his face making those threats. That's the point. So watch the whole video. Go check out the entirety of the video that I played, and there's a little extra there at the end for you, Neil. Um, I would encourage you to go watch it. And I do think it's BS that YouTube trying to give you a flag on what they said it was. 
you were stating what you believe to be true um, on something that is not necessarily, like it's ridiculous that that they gave you a flag for that. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll and we disagree on this issue. We probably agree on other issues because you are a self-proclaimed leftist. Um, you supported you supported Bernie Sanders. Uh, that's fine. You know, I would have voted for Bernie Sanders in the in the general election had Bernie Sanders been the nominee. Uh, we can talk. We I've done shows about that already. I don't know if I want to beat that dead horse again. Uh, I could probably dig up past shows where I talk about that and give more details about that. But I really don't feel like going through that argument, especially right now, especially with six minutes left in the podcast. Um, anyway, oh, I do want to play the the fun little uh, the fun little Pink Williams thing again because I love playing the Pink Williams from Pink Williams on TikTok. If you don't want your kids to learn about the evil stuff that our founding fathers did And you say you've had enough of the left indoctrinating kids when they go off to school You're nothing but another propaganda spreading fool Our nation's evil history is not up for debate And you can't ignore the facts just because you're full of hate So let me tell you something you can do to simmer down Read a goddamn history book, you racist right-wing clown And there we go, that is again... Uh, that song, it's a fun little ditty. It's got a funky beat and I can bug out to it. So anyway, thank you for watching this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. We will be back. We should be back next Wednesday. I don't see why not. The day before uh, Turkey Day. Uh, maybe we'll discuss what you're thankful for. Maybe we'll have a, a, a thing that we'll, hopefully we'll be able to discuss Whatever the verdict might be in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, I hope it doesn't last that long. I hope it's over with by the end of the week. But anyway, check check me out on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Liberal Dan on Facebook, Liberal Dan Radio, everywhere else. Subscribe here. Smash the hell out of this like button. It doesn't look like V-Radio liked it, even though I like these videos all the time. So I'm going to call V-Radio on that next time I see it. You didn't like my live stream because I only had two. Maybe I have more. Maybe you can just throw it. Anyway. Until next week, this is Dan from the Google Band Radio. Well, that's right.